Welcome to the Chin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. So I know we talk about being like dead on the inside, like as a joke and how we're separating emotions from the facts and things like that. And um, if you're on some of the Facebook groups about travel agents helping other agents or um, you're in my close circle of colleagues, you kind of know one of the challenges that I've been dealing with just in my agency. And Kareen, bless you, because you've been hearing all about it. I give you like live updates. <laughs> I love it. Through messenger. I don't love that it's happening, but I need to know all of the details at all times. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it it could be like a Bravo show or like mm -hmm. something on Netflix or something like that. But you know, just to give you a lowdown, had some clients um referred to me by one of the tour operators that I work with for Japan. They were supposed to work with them for their honeymoon to Japan, but because Japan's borders are still closed, they asked the tour operator for a recommendation for someone for, um, you know, the new destination, Italy. And um, so that particular TO, they tend to refer clients like that to me if it's not a country that they service. Mm -hmm. And so they haven't even had, they hadn't even had the opportunity to work with this couple. So they didn't know what jerks they are. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, we had less than a month to plan and I just know like they, they bought their own flights and I feel like they waited until the last minute to make their land arrangements, but it seemed easy enough. They were super sweet, but you know, while they were on their trip, stuff just hit the fan and they experienced challenges and but to all be of clear, those challenges we're not were self-induced. Yeah, these are not life-altering challenges. This was not, not anyone dropping the ball or not showing up where they were supposed to. It was just some individual yes. challenges. And yes. being the people that they are, and I will let you know, like this is the first time since I've had my agency that I've ever encountered such entitled people to blame everyone but themselves. And of course, it's hard to, you know, go after a particular hotel or whatever it is. So of course, they're blaming me, even mm -hmm. though everything was done according to the book, perfectly done according to the book. And I know, you know, if you've been with us since the since we launched during the pandemic, you know that we have been pushing, beefing up your terms and conditions, having you know, written everything documented, like things in writing, everything documented, having your payment authorizations down, like everything done to a T. And we absolutely, you know, we encourage having a CRM that can help you do that and stuff like that. And when this all happened, you know, we were trying to help them with their situation. And let me just give you an example of a situation. They showed up to one of um, their hotels and it is one of the, best hotels in that particular region. They didn't like it. And instead of contacting me while they were still at the property, they just left. 
And no checkout, so, no nothing. No checkout, did not notify the front desk, nothing. So when he had messaged me about it, he was already at the other hotel that he had booked on his own with whatever points he had because he was like a Marriott member. So he was like, is there any way you can get anything back for us? And I was in contact with the DMC I was working with. They called the hotel immediately and the hotel said we didn't even know they left. So I was like, um, did you just leave or did you check out? And he's like, we just left. I'm like, okay, listen, there's no record of you leaving. There's like nothing that we can do to get this money back because there's no record of you leaving. So that was just one of the examples of, you know, the self-induced challenge. And, um, you know, granted, I, you know, mentioned that I never want my clients to feel uncomfortable in a hotel they're staying at. And I'm here to advocate for them. But you got to help me out here. You got to like, well, you can't while you're there. You can't advocate for something you are not aware of. Exactly. So those are some of the things. And so after, you know, there were a couple other things that, they were not happy about also self-induced. And so when they came back, they sent me like a post trip email detailing, you know, all the things that they were unsatisfied with. And he even, so he requested that I refund him any fees and commission that I made on this trip. And he calculated that out in a spreadsheet and sent that to me. And he's like, this is what we're requesting. So as you can imagine, People who know me, like, I am not going to just be like, okay, here you go. Because A, I did nothing wrong. B, everything was his fault. Mm -hmm. So laid it out in a message and a reply, very professional. And then his response was, your response is unacceptable. We will be sending a demand letter and we will be litigating. So I kind of expected that response from him. So it wasn't like a huge shocker to me, but part of the the result of that was first of all i was just really grateful that i have all my ducks in a row yeah i have everything on travel joy i have my terms and conditions that i really strengthened during the pandemic and also i have really great eno insurance so i knew that i was protected on all fronts and um i reached out to my eno insurance and i said hey i've been threatened with litigation what do you recommend? And they're like, go ahead and submit a claim. If it becomes more than a threat, at least we'll be ahead of it. But the biggest part was the emotional exhaustion of dealing with this. Yeah. And, um, you know, even if I, even though I knew that I did everything correctly, it was just thinking about this and it's my business. And so when you're attacking the work that I do, I'm taking it personally. And I, you know, I have to think back and be like, Hey, just separate it out. And it's, I feel like the energy it takes to make that happen is also exhausting. It really is. (laughs) It really is. And you and I were discussing this before we started recording. And I was saying to you, you know, cognitively, that you covered all your bases. This man emailed you that that hotel looked amazing. He had links, he had reviews, he had everything. He chose that that was the hotel. Like every single thing you did was correct and it just didn't work out. And you know that, but you are taking it personally. We can, I can tell, I'm sure anyone else can tell too. (laughs) It is, it's 
sometimes impossible not to. I wish that I could just flip a switch, but if I were in your shoes, I pro- my thoughts would be consumed by this, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I totally say, like, get it. <laughs> like immediately after, like that was where I was at. And, um, you know, when we do the podcast recordings, I know last week, Karina, if you remember, like my whole neck was just like breaking out. And I had maybe like almost a month long eczema flare up on my neck, which has never happened to me before. So as you can see, it's cleared up very nicely because I've been able to like kind of flush it out of my brain. And there was a mantra I was listening to Amy Porterfield's podcast And she shared like four different mantras that she says to herself all the time. And one of them that really spoke to me was, if it's out of my hands, it's out of my mind. So I've done everything I could do to protect myself. I filed the claim as advised by my E&O insurance. And so now there's nothing else I can do. It's out of my hands now. So I am trying really hard to get it out of my mind, out of my hands, out of my mind. Well, and I love that you said, like going to sleep with reading your terms and conditions, like your little (laughs) security blanket. (laughs) Yeah. It's like my bedtime story. I'm just, if things start creeping up a little bit, I just pull up my terms and conditions and I read through them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> little security. Well, yes. I know it's big for everyone. I did three Travel Joy setup consultations today. Um, and everyone is looking to get that exact type of, of uh, protection in place. Everybody wants those systems. Uh, it is absolutely something that you can DIY. Just make the time to do it. And if you'd rather spend money than time, let me know. But um, it it really, I've been saved by $6,000 chargeback. This was 2019 because I had everything. They record the IP address when you authorize the payment. Uh, we both obviously believe that TravelJoy is the best option, but it's not the only one that has some things in place for you to protect yourself. But One thing we've all noticed, and you see a lot of chatter about it, is people are, for some reason, being extra particular, let's say. Oh, I was going to say crazy, but Mm -hmm. you were much nicer. Yeah. (laughs) There are some interesting complaints popping up. The expectations that people have are not entirely reasonable. So you want to have every bit of CYA in place that you can have, Mm -hmm. regardless of how you do it. Yeah, completely agree. And I will say like during the correspondence, when this client first sent his post-travel complaint email, he gave me a deadline under threat of chargeback. He said, you must respond by this time on this day, or we will have no choice but to do a chargeback on our credit card. This will make it very difficult for you to pay your suppliers. And I don't think you want that to happen. And in my head, I'm like, um, I have your authorization Mm -hmm. and digital signature. So if you truly want to do a chargeback, go right ahead. I have all the receipts. Yeah. So, so go ahead. But also it's just like, don't give me a deadline. Like, who do you think you are? You're going to come to my house and give me a deadline? Yeah. Well, I think he was definitely attempting to get a heated response from you. 
And I know you did not give it to him. No, my response was very calm, calculated. And I think all the advisors on that Facebook group who helped me with some of the verbiage Mm -hmm. and I was able to respond to all parts of his complaints. And I ended it with, I will not be refunding you anything. My team and I did the work. Yeah. (laughs) So this effectively ends a professional relationship. I wish you both the best. That's it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think, like you said, he wanted something that was very heated in terms of response out of me. And I did not give him the pleasure of that. And so. I love it. That's the best revenge right there is refusing to engage (laughs) in the way someone's trying to get you to engage. Yeah. And in my head, I'm just like, am I, is my business now like the real, real, is it real? If you don't get sued by someone, is it real? If you don't get threatened to be sued by someone? You're super legit. I I have leveled up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one way to look. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm big enough for you to think you get something out of me. So I love it. Well, I'm big enough to have insurance. So (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there relating to this for sure. Yeah. If you don't have ENO insurance, get yourself ENO insurance. Like even if you're just starting out, you never know what crazy people you're gonna get, or as Corinne likes to say, particular people (laughs) you might get. She's much nicer than I am. All right. Well, before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business. What's up first? This is an article from Travel Agent Central about how the house passes relief for small businesses and Asta applauds the move. So if you're anything like me and my business, definitely benefited from a lot of the Um, relief bills that came out within the past two years. And um, this most recent one was passed the house. Um, It's the amended version of the Relief for Restaurants and Other Hard Hit Small Businesses Act of 2022, HR 3807, which would provide pandemic relief to those most in need through an industry neutral approach advocated for by ASTA. The bill sets aside $13 billion for a new hard-hit industries awards program to provide grants to small businesses across all industries that were the hardest hit by the pandemic, but ineligible for relief under either the Restaurant Revitalization Fund or the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant Program. Yep. It says to qualify for a grant under the new program, you must currently have no more than 200 employees and have suffered pandemic-related revenue loss of at least 40% in 2020 and 21 averaged as compared to 2019. It says independent contractors and other self-employed persons are eligible if they meet the revenue loss threshold. Grants up to 1 million are authorized. I wonder what rich people are gonna take advantage of that. (laughs) Bitter party (laughs) of one. The award amounts may be reduced if demand exceeds the funding. And it says, additionally, the revenue loss calculation would be reduced by the amount of any grant previously received by the applicant under the Paycheck Protection Program and or Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. So they actually have a tiered system to allocate funds to businesses with the greatest need. So their system uh, gives 
more priority to entities with an 80% or greater revenue loss, um, followed by those experiencing losses of 60%. Proceeds may be used to cover, among other things, payroll costs, payments to independent contractors, mortgage or rent payments, utilities, and other operational expenses. According to recent ASTA member surveys, the average travel agency revenue levels are still down 71% compared to 2019. Wow. Yep. Um, Eben Peck, who is an uh, the ASTA Executive Vice President of Advocacy, said, given the severity and longevity of the financial lof- losses suffered by travel advisors and other travel-reliant small businesses, passage of this legislation is imperative to getting these businesses back on their feet and contributing to our country's economic recovery. Says, while it will take several years, he says, while it will take several, oh gosh, I don't know if it's a he or she. It's a they. They said, while it will take several years for the travel agency industry to return to health, we believe this bill, coupled with modifying the CDC's international air travel testing rule, will speed this recovery and put travel agencies in a position to better serve the traveling public. So it's looking good. The bill yeah, has passed the house. Really say how to apply for it? Well, I think it still but... has to pass the Senate. Oh, that is true. Yeah. He, um, oh, it is a he. He urged senators <laughs> to adopt a similar industry neutral approach instead of pursuing legislation where winners and losers are cherry picked by Congress across the varying sectors affected by the pandemic. So we'll see how that goes. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Our next article is from Travel Market Report. Our ex- our next two are actually pretty cruise-centric. I thought um, these two seem like some good, encouraging articles, some useful information, because um, as we said last week, Carnival has had record-breaking sales. I'm sure all of the other cruise lines are doing the same. Cruising is back in a huge way. So if you sell cruising or cruises... This article is called Making the Most of Cruise Ship Inspections for Travel Agents. So I don't know if many of you have done cruise ship site inspections, but you got to watch your shoes, man. (laughs) You got to wear some comfortable shoes. (laughs) I will say one of the first things that I did as a new agency when I was like a fresh, bushy-tailed, baby-faced travel advisor, one of the first things I did was do a ship inspection mm-hmm. um, out in the in the Tampa port. It was the Carnival Paradise, I think, oh, and I had fancy. never, I had <laughs> never been on a cruise before at that time. Like not one cruise in my entire life. And so um, I went on the ship inspection and thankfully I was already part of a small network of travel advisors in the Tampa Bay area. So there were a few advisors who really took me under their wing and like they knew the ship so well. They're like, oh, let's go to the Lido deck. And I'm like, what is a Lido deck? Like I knew nothing. And that ship inspection, even though it was the paradise and a smaller ship, it really allowed me to get a good feel for I mean, cruising itself, but what like an experience would be like on a ship. And we had a meal there and I was like, oh my gosh, they feed us for free. And that was, was (laughs) (laughs) and you know how on Carnival, like all the servers, they like wear these sleeves, like Mm -hmm. they're like dancing sleeves and Mm -hmm. they do a little song and whatever. So um, 
I was just very, very grateful for that opportunity. And I did not know how to make the most of the ship inspection because I was just so overwhelmed with just being there. Yeah. And um, this article is great because it gives you tips on what to do to make the most of your ship inspection. Right. One of the questions it asks is, with such little time on board, how do you make the most of your ship tour? Which I think you, you've already said or given a good example of how it is very impactful even that short time, especially mm -hmm. if you don't even know what to expect from a cruise ship. I wouldn't call the Carnival Paradise the best representation of cruise ships, but it worked out great for you. It really did, because I think it was just like a nice bite-sized piece of a cruise ship versus something like in the Oasis class yeah. <laughs> on Royal yeah. Caribbean. I would have been so overwhelmed, I feel like, if that was one of my first ship inspections. Yeah. Um, but the first um, suggestion here is to take photos, obviously. Um, and if you are someone who does a ton of cruising, sells a lot of cruising, one of the tips is... I think I see a lot of advisors do this already is to take a picture of the cabin number before you walk into yes. an actual stateroom. Yep. That way you kind of know what the cabin number is, what the cabin, ca the stateroom category is, and then you remember what it looks like. You can also sell those photos to cruisedeckplans.com. It's not a huge moneymaker, but <laughs> they need <laughs> to know need what room it is. Some drink money. Uh, so like, for me, I don't really take a ton of photos of the stateroom unless there's something that sticks out to me yeah. that I can't find online. Because to me, like, I'd rather just go in, feel the vibe of the room, and then make notes of, okay, so this stateroom and this one other stateroom, they're similar, but here's what makes it different. So unless there's like a difference, I really don't take a photo of it. I will try to take sort of a panoramic photo of the room, like interior ocean view and balcony, just so for my own mind, I have a sense of mm -hmm. the size and right. the decor vibe. But I'm not going to go around and take a picture of the bathroom. And, the, mm -hmm. you know, like, unless, like you said, there's something that stands out that I think my clients would be interested to know. Like, you know, there's some ocean view staterooms that are at the front of the ship that have huge panoramic windows, things yep. like that. But I am not going to waste my time trying to take a picture of every single feature of every Especially single. Especially dodging other travel advisors yeah. who yes. are also on the ship inspection. Like, I love marble bathrooms. If you go on a cruise ship and you're like, ooh, I'm going to send this to Teresa because it's a marble bathroom. I will take that any day. Marble on marble <laughs> on marble. Yes, I love it. Um, it's a recent obsession of mine, so it's on my kitchen board. A girl I used to work with, we would do ship tours, and every time I was trying to take a picture, she would drape herself across the bed every time, which I don't think they like very much, but it always made me giggle. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later in this article. Um, one other thing they talk about is look for the little things that make a difference. As you're touring the ship and the cabins in particular, keep an eye out for anything that might impact the experience your clients have. Is the cabin located across from a crew door that might make a lot of noise or the beds facing forward or aft? Um, and that's also something that I pick up on is if there's something really unique, if there's something that's like anything that stands out is what I pay attention to versus like, oh, you can just see this in the what on the website, you know, things yep. like that. I, there, I like to point out things that might not be so obvious. Yep, I agree. Um, the next tip is to be prepared. So whatever ship you're seeing, study that ship beforehand online, which I agree with 
totally because then you know what, like, oh, I really want to get pictures of this restaurant or, you know, like, you know where to focus your time. If you get some free time, which you usually do, it's not enough time to go everywhere. So you want to kind of have a plan of what you want to see. Um, she says, look at what restaurants are on board. That's for sure. That is a huge thing that people want to know about. And some of the restaurants are really swanky and some of them are really basic. I like to get an idea of what the main dining room looks like. It's usually on the cheesy side, but sometimes not. Um, and then also I will add to this. You could use this as a marketing tool on your social media or your newsletter to say, I am going to inspect this ship. What would you like to see to your clientele? Take requests so that you can then post those pictures if they <clears throat> want to see the new water slide or some restaurant or what, where's the zip line or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, that is a great way to get your clients sort of involved in the process and you can get prepared to make sure you're giving them what they want. Yeah. In addition to that, I really like if like looking at restaurants, for example, if you're pre-planning this is to say something that I'm most excited about is this restaurant mm -hmm. or this new, or this is what sets the ship apart. And I'm super excited to see this. And this is all before you go on the actual ship inspection is just to know what you're excited about. And then it's like, what about you? What are you excited to see? Speaking of which, I'm about to do my fan with intention Trello board for my trip coming up to make sure I have a plan because I'm going to tell you this last one, I was, I didn't get anything. I have no material to market with because I was just in a well, whirlwind. One, one of the things about this next one is that it's not open bar. So I'm sure you'll be able to get some more content. <laughs> wow. Wow. I just got dragged. No, no, no. It's, it's just, you know, I just really took fun. a beat down <laughs> <laughs> and we did not get the drink package either. I was like, you know, we go to bed early. It's not a party, no. but we're all good. By the way, we're going to be on the Viking Gersemi. Um, Wait, Vikings on a party ship? What? <laughs> and then, uh, and then I will be meeting up with Teresa in, uh, Croatia. And there we might need to have more of a plan because it's going to be advisors together. That's the problem. It isn't me personally. I'm not the villain. <laughs> okay. It is when we get together as travel advisors, things get a little... You Ooh. are a victim of your surroundings. I got it. I got <laughs> that's, it. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> Anywho, I'm getting ready to make a plan because I have some things I really want to catch. I have um, some reels I want to make. So maybe I'll get your help with that. Oh, oh, actually, yeah. we could be each other's photographer. It's going to be great. Yep. I, am I bet Gio is not much better than Tracy at it. <laughs> <laughs> no comment here. <laughs> um, last but not least on this article about ship inspections is to be professional. Mm -hmm. The biggest piece of advice for agents doing ship inspections for the first time is respect. Respect for the ship, respect for the other agents, and too often, says this advisor, uh, <laughs> I see agents sit on furniture in the staterooms or congregate in staterooms or areas with, where other agents are trying to take photos. I try to take my photos quickly and get out of the way. Yep. Conversations can be had in the dining room or hallways. I agree. And also, she says she leaves a tip in the dining room if a sit-down meal is provided by the line. And absolutely agree with that as well. 
Um, and often they're giving you wine and you're, you know, they're giving you a little show. Like you said, on Carnival, they do a dance for you. It's usually apple bottom jeans or it was like a montage of different songs, um, oh. different popular top 40 songs at the time. Kareem, when I tell you, I was so impressed with the ship inspection and lunch they gave on the Carnival Paradise. Like, I'm not kidding. I was just blown away. I went home feeling like I was the real deal. Like, I'm like, I made it as a travel advisor. I get a free meal and a show. <laughs> I love it. And I have to say, I have seen many people complain about the dancing in the dining room, like somehow it's undignified or something. And I just, I just feel like those must be miserable people. I mean, I'm not making a, a broad judgment here, but like, it's mm-hmm. so entertaining to me and they seem to have a good time. Yeah. Or if I see someone who seems slightly uncomfortable, I'll like wink at them or something and usually they'll <laughs> loosen up, you know, I love it. <laughs> Bring on the cheese for me. More and more cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our last article is from Travel Market Report and it's also a cruising article. The title is Top 5 Mistakes to Avoid Making When Selling Luxury Cruises to Need a Cruise Prospects. And this particular article is sponsored by Explora Journeys. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. They mentioned how the CDC recently lifted the COVID travel warning, so doors are open. I have been booking cruises like hot cakes, like sometimes several per day. Everyone's ready to get back out on the water. Um, I do think, well... I think it's probably two-sided selling luxury cruise to people who haven't cruised it. We may assume it's going to be more difficult, but I think in fact, and in some cases it would be, but I think mostly people who are ready to try cruising, depending on how they normally travel, it might actually be easier to sell luxury, go Mm -hmm. right for the good stuff. You know what I mean? Because there are people out there who, think it sounds stupid for people to dance at the dining room and, you know, the fun shifts, boom, you know, like (laughs) feeling hot, hot, hot. Like that's not their jam. (laughs) I'm sorry you all couldn't see the little dance I just did. (laughs) Um, So for those people, I would recommend you go right for higher end. Don't try to Mm -hmm. start low. And this is actually the first tip they're saying is, uh, or first mistake is selling out of your own pocket, which you can remember this across the board. What mm-hmm. you are willing to spend on things has nothing to do at all with what your clients are. Um, I remember meeting an advisor on a pre-inaugural, it was Royal Caribbean, and she said, I don't sell Disney cruises because it's a waste of money. You can have just as good a time on a Royal Caribbean <laughs> ship. And I thought to myself, what about what your client wants, you know? And I mean, Royal Caribbean is phenomenal. It's my number one supplier. It's absolutely great. And for some people, maybe the more expensive option isn't the best fit. But to just be like, oh, I don't sell it because that's a waste of money is insane. And you can't judge a book by its cover. So I think we all know this. Never sell out of your own pocket no matter Mm -hmm. what it is, right? Yep. I think... Part of the thing that I really loved about growing in the industry is how my own idea of what what is considered expensive or what the value of something has changed. Mm -hmm. Because before I was in the industry, I would say, um, you know, if 
a hotel room was like 120, 150 a night, I'd be like, oh my God, that is so expensive. But now I'm just like, it's 250 minimum or I'm not staying there. And it's not because I'm snobby. It's part of it is also I've gotten older and I like comfortable certain things. And then also seeing what's available at a certain price point has me expecting different things. If you can tell me that you have a marble bathroom, I'm like, I'm there. I'm there. Like the first time I experienced the magic of a marble bathroom was at a luxury hotel and my life has never been the same. (laughs) So I feel like now, like my idea of what things should cost and the value of things, it's, is so different. Well, you have enough of an education to know if I am in Rome and the hotel is $120, it is surely a S-H-I-T hole. (laughs) Like there's no Schneisen hole. Yes. hole. Um, We know it's not going to be good, right? Mm -hmm. So, but our clients don't always know what's what. And that leads into the next mistake is assuming you know what type of accommodations the client wants. Again, we should not be starting at the bottom here. Yeah. And I think one of the things that initially I was super nervous about was like, oh my gosh, I've never spent this much money on a vacation before. How can I justify this amount to my clients? But that's completely the wrong way of looking at things. And that was something that I learned as I was going through the industry. And when you present options for accommodations, you know, part of it is being able to qualify your clients to see what type of hotels they typically stay in. And you're able to compare that with what's in a particular luxury cruise line or what's what the different stateroom categories are. Because even on, say, Royal Caribbean, for example, the higher end suites look completely different than just like your standard like ocean view or balcony room. Yeah, there's a huge difference. And so, you know, it's definitely worth your time. And I think it's necessary during your qualifying process to figure out what types of accommodations, because, you know, in this article, it says the first thing I train advisors to do is question the client's preferred accommodations. Um, If a client has loved staying at the Hampton Inn, then a luxury cruise experience may feel unnecessary to them. But if their favorite accommodation memory was at a Peninsula Hotel or a Taj property, then discussing the variety of luxury cruise experience options is fitting. And I think it's worth mentioning too, which I think it's worth mentioning that, um, you know, depending on the demographic of the client, young family or whatever. So then maybe some of the really high end luxury cruises are not going to be a good fit because they're just going to be around a bunch of people who are 80, um, which is not always the case with luxury, but in some cases it is. And you have to qualify the client but there's opportunities like the retreat on celebrity mm-hmm. or the Haven on Norwegian where they can have access to a much more mass market, fun, 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 tons of activities, but then their accommodation is in a separate area. It makes them feel much more luxurious and exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are great things to offer. I mean, I always feel bad when somebody comes to me and they're like, we need two cabins, but if a suite is less expensive, we could do that. And I'm always like, <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Uh, but the thing, with, the thing with suites though, at least I know, um, you know, with the retreat on celebrity, they typically include so much more mm-hmm. with their cruise fare. So even though it is more expensive, 
when you're calculating out the inclusions and the fact that you don't have to stress about is this included? Is this not included? Mm-hmm. And you typically have more onboard credit to use. To me, I I was I'm just thinking about a client that I had um, in January, and they in the past had done carnival cruises, and they would go on the casino right because the husband spent so much of his time in a casino on a cruise ship, and so throughout the years they've grown up and the wife was like, we want to do the ship that you were on. And this was after the inaugural on the apex that we were on. She's like, I want that ship and I want to have a suite. And she messaged me while she was on the ship and she's like, did you know that we get a Butler with the suite? (laughs) Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I did know that. Yeah, I did know that. Um, (laughs) It's in all the material that I sent you, but yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it, even though it's more money up front, if your clients are used to having all these amenities are used to being taken care of from beginning to end, this is definitely something that to them would be a great option. And also, if you're feeling nervous about it, say it's a client you know really well, you just want to give them a nudge because this is the thing too. A lot of my clients are in YOLO mode and mm-hmm. they're ready to take it to the next level. So you know, offer them what they usually get and then just say, hey, take a look at this. They're not going to be mad at you for that. It's one thing if you only offer them the upsell, but if Mm -hmm. you offer either what they ask for or what they usually go for and then say, if you want to kick it up a notch, Mm -hmm. take a look here. Yep. And it's one thing to think about is I have so many clients where I started them out in a, in a higher stateroom category because I know that's just what they want. And it could be their first time cruising or the first time cruising that particular cruise line. So um, I'll take Celebrity again. These clients, they were looking at other cruise lines and I knew Celebrity fit them perfectly. So I said, you know, have you considered this? And they booked Aqua Class for their first celebrity cruise and every other one they've booked, they were like, we will not go below aqua class. And so thanks to your templates before their last cruise in January, I sent them a book on board prompt Uh and they booked on board and they booked a transatlantic and the wife was like, I'm getting a suite. So they are in a suite on celebrity in a transatlantic in 2023. And I did no work because they booked on board. We could all take a lesson from those onboard salespeople. They will get your client into the highest possible category that they will tolerate. They are magic. Yeah. Yep. So mistake number three is not taking the time to fully describe what differentiates luxury ocean cruises from premium cruising. So those things are usually going to be like the crew to, um, guest ratio, mm-hmm. the inclusions, the dining, the amount of space. I was just on that cruise um, talking with the Silver Sea rep, and I didn't realize that all of their staterooms are 300 plus square feet. That's what? palatial. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the amount, the level of service, and also don't forget uh, more immersion, like there's a lot of overnights um, mm-hmm. or just more time in destination, or especially those smaller ships can get into places that the large ships can't. So they get a more authentic experience. Those are all huge value adds. So when they mm-hmm. think about it from that, especially the inclusion, they're like, 
Regent is all specialty restaurants, no reservations required, had the best pumpkin soup. Best soup of my life is their pumpkin lemongrass soup. Um, So you want to clearly go over what they are getting for that upsell. Mm -hmm. Huge room, incredible service, possibly a butler, and more authentic, immersive experiences. And I think it's Oceana that has Jacques Pepin as their... Yeah, celebrity chef. And actually, I had a client on Oceana a couple months ago, and they had to miss some ports because of COVID. And mm-hmm. Jacques Pepin happened to be on board with his family on vacation. Oh, wow. And he did like two or three demonstrations oh, just my to, so that people would have something to do because they weren't getting off the ship. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That is really cool. Um, the fourth mistake listed is selling something you have not personally experienced. Um, The article says this one really speaks for itself. And although it is obvious, not all travel advisors take the time to do it. And so the suggestion here is to take the online courses available through the luxury cruise line, but also cultivate a relationship with your local BDM. Mm -hmm. Talk to them about what your marketing plan is, what your business plan is for growing your business with this cruise line. And typically the BDM will try and get you on a ship, whether that's a fam or an agent rate to experience their line. Um, they know you will sell it if you experiencing, if you experience it. But the important thing is to create a relationship with your BDM. I agree. So listen, we all can't afford to go on luxury cruises, even at a travel agent rate. It just isn't necessarily feasible. And I think most of us can't go on all of them. I'm sure there are exceptions. So definitely at least try to get on something luxury so you can understand the true differences. And YouTube, I cannot scream it from the mountaintops enough. (laughs) YouTube, there will be people on there, uh, tons of videos, probably any ship you look up so you can see what it looks like, get a few insights, and then tell your BDM, tell me something unique that is not, on Google. Tell me something that makes me look, I I will just frankly say, can you please tell me something that makes me look like I know what I'm talking about? Cause I don't, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's a great thing to ask them or to to request. Yep. I do it all the time, even with just phone reps. Like, can you tell me something that will make me sound more knowledgeable? Is there something unique I should know about? Whatever. they always want to help you do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And the article's last mistake is trying to sell all the cruise brands. And especially if you're newer to the industry, um, you might be tempted to follow every shiny thing Mm -hmm. that is presented your way. Because I know I was, because I had no idea what I was doing in terms of cruising when I first started. And you have one BDM talking about one thing, you go to another lunch and learn and you hear about another thing, it could pull you in all different directions. And although it's important to learn about the differences, it's also important to figure out the handful of cruise lines that you can get to know really well and that you can sell really well to your clientele. 
And even if you want to be able to sell them all eventually, because we always want to give our clients what the best fit for them, mm-hmm. take the time to focus on one or two to start. And then once you have those down, then move on. But if you try to learn about all the things all at the same time, it's going to be really scattered and you won't be able to speak mm-hmm. from a place of authority. All right, we're going long today. Are we ready for some we excess are. baggage? I am. I am so ready. Okay, it's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, Holland America Line's Koningsdam will be the first cruise ship to visit Canada after more than two-year absence due to the COVID-19 pandemic when it visits Victoria on April 9th and Vancouver on April 10th. Already passed. They also report that Japan says it's reopening, but not to travelers just yet. According to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Japan, the reopening is only for foreign nationals who are entering into Japan under the supervision of receiving organizations. The reopening, the ministry said, is not for those traveling for touristic purposes. An article from Travel Agent Central says that JetBlue has submitted a proposal to acquire Spirit Airlines. Another one from them reads, St. Lucia drops testing for VAX travelers, ends pre-registration for all. Travel Weekly reports that St. Lucia's St. James Club Morgan Bay will be rebranded as a Secrets All-Inclusive Resort. Following an extensive renovation, the resort will reopen as the adults-only Secrets St. Lucia Resort and Spa by late 2023. Another one from them says that on April 9th, the Pride of America set sail for the first time in more than two years. The Pride is sailing seven-day cruises with overnights in Maui and Kauai. Voyages depart Honolulu every Saturday. According to Travel Pulse, a potential national no-fly list for the most violent airline passengers has passed its first step. A congressional bipartisan group has drafted legislation that calls for a lifetime ban from commercial flights for the most egregious of unruly passengers, an issue that has plagued aviation since the onset of the pandemic two years ago and the introduction of the federal mask mandate. They also report that as Quintana Roo prepares for a massive influx of sargassum on its beaches, the Mexican Navy revealed it would send over half of its seaweed collection fleet to the state's coast. An article from Afar says that when asked during an April 5th press briefing if the U.S. has plans to change the international testing requirement, President Biden's COVID-19 coordinator answered, no, there are no plans to change the international travel requirements at this point. It's a bummer. And our high note today is from Recommend Magazine. The government of Grenada has removed all COVID restrictions for entry into the destination for all travelers, regardless of vaccination status. And that's it for excess baggage. I forgot to mention when we first started this, um, you know how my mom listens to this podcast regularly? Mm -hmm. So I saw her over the weekend and she was like, you know, you talk really fast on the podcast. I have to listen to it multiple times. And I was just like, oh, I do. I just get so excited. So I'm like, I will make it a point to speak more slowly. You can slow (laughs) it down. You can slow it down or speed it up. Oh, please. I don't want to have to teach my mom to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I would just rather speak more slowly. But just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news. We're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the We'll see you next week. 
Bye.